sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right, now we're cleared hot. Red buttons okay. hit. On with Laura Grusbeck. I uh, bet you couldn't spell it, or if you looked at it, you couldn't pronounce it right by looking at it. I was so <laughs> hesitant. I was like, no, I'm asking. Um, appreciate you getting on. Like I said, I mean, we've been talking for five, ten minutes, uh, kind of off record there, but been following you a while. Um, you know, Western Skies, uh, Skull and Jewelry, uh, and then what is it, uh, Laura Outdoors, along those lines, I yeah. believe. Um Yep. Just some really good posts. And you've been, you know, you took on your your trapping adventures, which was really cool to watch. Um, you know, those first animals. Um, that giant freaking beaver was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Man, there was like nothing like being successful. Especially, like, I mean, anytime you're trapping, I'm sure. Like it never gets old. I talk to old trappers around here and they're like, I just love going check checking traps because it's like Christmas morning. Like you never know what's gonna be there. But especially that like first season when you're trapping and you are successful, the the like overwhelming sense of like pride and uh, just the whole thing is so amazing. It's like, oh, I did it. Like it's so tricky and you're learning something totally new. And yet the reward is just beyond measure, really. It. It's it, to me when I when I look at it from the outside in, right, it. it and I get the reward part of it because it's such a, you're going after one animal per se. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you get that animal, you're like, Oh my goodness. Right. Is there a, is there a point where it's like, Oh, I got a little surprise. It's not the animal I was after, but I got, uh, how does that go down? Um, there, so like one of the, so I used to last year, I was trapping just for raccoons and stuff around town because here in town, down by the river, like there is just an insane amount of raccoons. And I trap them just to keep the population down because we have a lot of turkeys that live here around town and pheasants and ducks and all kinds of birds that really get hit hard from the raccoons nading their, like raiding their nests in the spring. And so like trapping raccoons here in town, like I'll get feral cats in my traps sometimes and everything. And just it's a pretty easy just to get them out and let them go or whatever but um there was a bobcat set i did this this last year and i had it in like this really tight little drainage at the bottom of this creek was coming down and when i go up to check the trap you pretty much come right around the corner and you look you're just like right there on the trap it's not something you see from a long ways away and i come up through the creek and i take a step and i see fur and i'm like oh you like fuck yeah like oh my god i wanted to catch a bobcat so bad this year and i was like starting to just like lose my mind i took another step and it was a raccoon <laughs> <laughs> another one of you guys <laughs> i guess it's a good thing i got one but i was like oh man <laughs> oh my dick right in the dirt <laughs> i was so excited for a second that uh but aside, oh sorry go ahead aside from that, i haven't had any accidental catches or nothing and i really try to be smart especially with my, um, the three thirties and the body gripping traps. Mm -hmm. I am very, very smart about where I put them and I'm overly cautious to make sure 
I don't, I never, ever set one where there could be any risk of like someone's dog coming right. down or iPhone. Don't put those anywhere near town just cause I'd rather err on the side of caution and make sure I don't have anything like that. Right. And that's not and, a good look for that, for that endeavor, right? If there's a cross catch like that and it's a domestic animal, people, people kind of freak out yeah. on trapping anyway, right? It's, it's primitive. We don't need to do it. What do you need that for? So that's probably, Oh, I know it's so misunderstood. <laughs> so I, I want to get into that, right? Especially because you said misunderstood with it. And I, and I agree with you, but let's do a little bit of an intro, let folks know who you are. Uh, we'll talk about why we're getting on here and then, um, Talk about Western Skies because that mess is amazing. When I watch you, when you post and I watch you do it, I'd be cross-eyed and pissed. <laughs> like it, it's like the patience, the patience that that has to take to just lay each and every one of those. I was like, oh my god. Anywho, so go ahead and give a little bit of intro and roll from there. Okay, so the shortest version to like kind of introduce myself would be is I. First off, I have four kids. I'm a mother of four. I own my own business, Western Sky Skulls and Jewelry, where I bead skulls and I make antler jewelry. And most of my beaded skulls are ones that people mail to me. And then I bead them for them and I send them back. And that my whole business came from my love of the outdoors. Like I was big into shed hunting. I still would say I'm a shed hunter, but now that I've been trapping the last couple of years, those seasons kind of cut Hopefully. into each other and I personally am going to absolutely go for trapping over <laughs> shed hunting um but I big shed hunter started making jewelry really just for myself out of the sheds I'd find and then it kind of just took off from there and then with the skulls really the same thing too like in my house we have quite a bit of taxidermy we have euros we have like the skull caps bucks wrapped in leather, like looking nice. We have a kind of a variety of everything. And then, but we had a bunch of skulls and I was just looking at them one day. It was just like a pile of bear skulls and there was bucks right above them. It just looked like just standing there looking at them for a second. It just looked like a bunch of skulls. Like you couldn't really appreciate any individual one. And I don't know why I was just standing there looking at it one day. I was like, would be cool to do something to make them a little bit more individual to where you, they kind of like stand out a little bit more from each other. And I was like, well, I can't paint or the shit. So <laughs> what else can I do? And I had the idea to try beads, like little, little tiny beads. Tiny, to make. tiny ass beads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've gotten smaller over the years too. So, cause you can just get way more uh, like tighter designs with the little, little tiny ones. So I decided to just went, I went to Michael's that night and I bought this big container of cheap ass <laughs> sheet beads in a variety of colors and just some random glue. And I just went at it on this coyote skull. And I still actually have that skull in my office. Um, looks like absolute dog crap, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of a cool reminder of where, where I started. started. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then same thing. I just started, I, when I finished that, I was like, Oh, that was, that was really cool. I, I want to try another one. And it just kept going and going. And then I was posting them on Facebook and just sharing what I was doing. Literally the same thing as my jewelry. And then I had somebody reach out to me and say, hey, I have this bull elk that's just been in the shed. And I was wondering if you could like clean it up and make something special with it. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, wow, yeah, I could do that. And I was just like floored that someone wanted me to do their skull. 
And so I did that first commission and, uh, again, I shared it on Facebook and then I got another skull and I finished that skull and then someone reached out and I got another one and it just slowly became this thing. And I have never gotten bored of it. Like I used to do charcoal drawings when I was like 10 years old, all the way like 24. And I'd be like halfway through a drawing and I'd be like, Oh, this is almost over yet. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I'd finish it and I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm good on the drawing for a little bit. But the skulls were like the thing I was looking for without knowing it. So that's where all that started. And I just think it's a really cool way to honor your hunt and make it a little bit extra special. Right. And I was starting to say my love for the outdoors is how I started my business. Like we were just talking about, I, I trap, I hunt, I do all kinds of waterfowl, like predator hunting, like everything, everything you can hunt that I have kind of available to hunt around here. I I absolutely do it. You guys went out and, and killed River Smalley's. Was that last weekend? I mean, yeah. I, when I saw the stringer and I was like, God dang, there had to be, yeah. it was like murder on the river. I know, man. I tell you what, those like those fishing pictures where we usually like decide to keep a haul just triggers the shit out of some uh, oh, people. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> yeah. Funny as hell. I didn't. I and I purposefully did not say how many fish were on that stringer because I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was three. It's, there was only three people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was it. I swear. <laughs> but oh man, yeah. We and then so we fish too, like. If you're looking at, if I would explain how I like live my life as an outdoorsman, start in January and we're, we're, I'm trapping, we're still waterfowl hunting around here because it's open until the end of the month. And then it rolls into February, February starts steelhead season a bit. I'm still trapping then. So steelhead and trapping rolls into March, still finishing up trapping, steelhead getting like really peak good for us. And then April rolls around and it's turkey and spring bear. And then that's that's April, May, June rolls around. And then I'm like a big smallmouth fisherman. I love bass fishing and funny because we get a lot of crap for those, like the one or two times a summer we keep a bunch, but I just go out and catch release 99% of the the time. time, (laughs) But so it's funny though, that big string, if I would have kept two fish, probably every time I go out, that probably wouldn't even cover how many we took in that one day. Like, I would actually be taking more out of the river if I took some every time I fish versus the one time we just decided to have a big fish fry. Mm-hmm. So it's very ironic. It, <laughs> well, well that kind of, but that actually ties into our conversation. The reason oh, that yeah. we said, Hey, let's do this. Um, so with, with all the outdoors adventures, you said you had four kids, you, you do have another half. Um, and he's a freaking yep. stud um, <laughs> on the mountain too. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no shortage of, um, prowess when it comes to the outdoors in that household? How do the kids take to it? And is that something that they just, they're just vying for all the time? Oh, they love it. So I, like I said, I have four, I have two boys and two girls, uh, youngest just turned seven. That's Allie. Wyatt just turned nine. Weston's 10 and Lee is 11. <laughs> like really close. That's tight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Leah, she's shot three white tails now. She's shot, I don't know how many turkeys, two turkeys each year since she was eight because they started out hunting in Washington. 
And in Washington, you can start hunting as soon as you pass your hunter's ed. And in Idaho, you can start when you're 10. And then Weston, this will be his first year to be able to shoot big game. But he shot, I don't know how many turkeys since he was eight years old. And Weston, he is, I think it's interesting. My husband and I have this conversation all the time. It's like, you can meet people that like, they have it. Mm-hmm. Like there's people who are born, who are born to be hunters. And you can tell they just have it in their, in their souls. Our son Weston is 1000% that. Like, Heck yeah. He will probably surpass me as an outdoorsman by the time he's like 20. And yeah, he just natural, natural shot. He's an amazing fisherman already. He was out there on the river, seal fishing with us, like an adult. And he was 10 at the time. Like the other, other grownups, like men were like, holy crap, like he's doing really good. And he's just, yeah, because he just got in him. So Weston for sure. Leah loves it. Um, She enjoys going out, but she's not like, obsessed like our son Weston is Wyatt um he's just now getting his hunter's ed started but he loves fishing he loves being out there he loves shed hunting a lot because he likes like looking for stuff so we go mushroom hunting too and he likes looking for things and then Allie is hands down probably the toughest one in the household (laughs) because she can just go for miles in in nasty nasty country and she loves like just being out there. She's too young to like, at this point to like, she didn't have any, she hasn't expressed that she wants to hunt. She's expressed that she wants to like go shoot ground squirrels and stuff. But I think she's just not old enough to like feel really driven in that. Right. Yeah. She loves fishing. She does really well by herself. But like this past March, uh, I took my kids down to Oregon with my parents to go shed hunt for a weekend. And we broke up into teams one of my, my youngest son went with my dad. Uh, my oldest daughter went with my mom. And then I took my oldest son, Weston, and then Allie, my youngest, with me. And we left camp at like 7.40 in the morning. And then we got back to camp about 6.45 in the evening. We just split up all day. And Weston, Allie, and I did over 10 miles. And Allie never complained once. Heck yeah. She was never like, my feet hurt. And we were like in big high desert country where we're going up and down. And like way over there and <laughs> way, way back. Over- <laughs> yeah, like crazy, lots, lots, lots of train. And she just motored and went and yeah, she is super, super tough. So all my kids truly enjoy it. And they spend a lot, we spend all our free time, whether it's like me alone or my husband and I, or all of us as a family, if we have free time, we're out there doing yeah. something. There's so, so much value in that. Yep. So, oh, so and much. actually, my my oldest son Weston just took his trapper's education class. Oh, so he's yeah. going to so be got trapping. a partner in crime now. Oh yeah, because this yeah. last season, I would take my kids out with me to like set traps or go scout for a new area or check them. And sometimes, like my girls, be like, eh, I don't want to go because it's like crappy weather or whatever. But my son Weston was like, I want to go. Like. Let me go. Can I carry traps? Can I carry your setters? Can I do all this? Can I do like, he was really, really, really involved. So I told him about halfway through, I was like, well, if you still, if you still really want to do this and you're really helping out and you're so involved, I will get you your trapper's education done this year. And he really kept with it. So he actually took his class a weekend ago and with my dad. So it was like grandpa and grandson taking the class together and getting their certification done. So what, yeah. what, how did you get into the trapping? Like what, what kind of sparked that fire? 
Um, so I've always been interested in it. Like ever since I was growing up, my favorite movie to this day is Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I will probably get a tattoo of that cover of that movie on me somewhere at some point. But, <laughs> but so I, that bug was always like in my ear to go trap, but I grew up in Washington about like two miles from the Idaho border could go on a jog and be in Idaho. But in Washington, their trapping laws are so insanely strict. And I didn't know anybody at the time either that trapped. I just thought it was really cool and interesting. So I didn't really have um, someone to help me get into it when I was growing up. And uh, so when I moved to Idaho, I, my husband, he had his trapping his trapping certification done and he would trap here and there and I decided I wanted to go just trap raccoons for fun or whatever around here in town because they were like I said hurting the bird population pretty bad and no one else around here traps them or goes out of their way to try to like shoot them or anything they'll shoot them if they see them but they're nocturnal mostly so um so I got into that and I'll be honest, my husband's like, why don't you try tra- trapping for beaver? And I was like, I don't know. He, I was really scared to use a 330. I'm going to be honest. Because, uh, like, he did emphasize how much, like, you get your hand on that, you're, you're breaking your hand. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to be in some pain. Yeah. And I'm like, I really can't afford to break my hand. <laughs> like, I need my hands for work, yep. literally. And I just, yeah, I don't want any part of that. So I was just... I was very hesitant to use one and that kind of deterred me, which honestly this kind of ties into like my whole motto for me in the outdoors is not letting any fear dictate what I want to do. Like if I'm afraid to do something, I should actually probably do it (laughs) instead of let it hold me back. Yeah. That's a life. That's a life quote right there though. Right. I mean, that's just not outdoors. Oh Yeah. Well, since like I do everything outdoors, it's like yeah, how I do right, it. But, yeah, life <laughs> don't don't let fear decide what you're gonna do or what you're not gonna do. So um this this year though, uh last year I trapped all raccoons, and then this year I was like, oh, I'm just gonna trap raccoons again, just around town and keep them out, like keep the population down or whatever. And I was out bass fishing just for fun to burn some time, and I came across a beaver den and one that my husband had not found yet because he's got his spots that he does. And he was like, oh, you can go trap up here or whatever. And I'm like, that's your spot. He's like, well, I don't care. And I'm like, I don't want your sympathy. <laughs> like, I, <don't> want- <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to go trap your spots. That doesn't feel like I did anything right, at the that accomplishment. Point. Yeah. I'm like, I can't really be proud of that. So I was fishing and I found this beaver den and I was like, oh, no freaking way. And then I, then I came home and I told my husband, I was like, can I borrow your three <laughs> thirty? I was like, I, I found a den. Will you come with me? I asked if he'd come with me and like help me set them because we didn't have a setter. He w- he sets his three thirties by hand like a freak. And <laughs> and so, I so real quick, real quick, explain explain to the folks that may not know what a three thirty is, um, oh, what that okay. is, how that looks, and then how you set it. Okay, so a three thirty is uh, a body gripping trap. It's the largest size that I know of that you can buy. It's one that's great for beavers and otters, and it's to kill. You set that trap to kill an animal quickly, and in it, and it's instant. Um, so it looks like a square, 
and it's got two jaws and it has two springs on the side. And how you're supposed to set them is you have a setters that look like these big, like an X that goes. It's almost uh, like a giant pair of shears it, with hooks. On yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Little, little notches. And you basically press in the springs and you latch them with the safeties. So the springs that go start with a V go down to like, although I'm like a line, <laughs> but then you set the top, the, the trigger and everything you'd have to, it's hard to explain without showing it. Right. But then once the trigger is set, you can put your hand on top of the trigger, which is out of the trap, not in a dangerous spot. And then you, you get your trap set. And how I set them is usually most of the time it's completely under the water or like barely above the water outside the den. And cause Beavers will want to travel along the surface to come out. But if you've got like the top of the trap blocking so they can't just glide across the surface, they got to go under it. They'll go under it and go right through it and hit the trigger and it'll instantly get them in the head. And it's, it's an instant, very humane way to like trap a beaver. It kills them quickly. Um, so that I, I usually do two on each den if I can given how the den is set up just to ensure that I get them either way they're coming in or out, but they're really, really good trap to use. And like, I only, like I said before, I only use those traps in very, very uh, safe areas as in like, there's a zero risk of catching anything else um, other than a beaver or an otter because otters will come into beaver dens and check those, which I, we can trap those here and that's a target animal. So if I caught an otter in a beaver set, that's just a win for me, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to catch literally anything else. And that's the goal there. So. Okay. Thank you for that. Sorry to, sorry to derail that, but I was thinking about it and I knew what it was, but I'm like, eh. Oh no, it's okay. I just always, go on and I like feel bad if no one's like, I don't know what the hell she's talking yeah, about. That's but. what it would have been. Cause right. When you talk trapping, most people look at like a leg hold or something like that. Not understanding, yeah. you know, what that three thirty. So three thirty is basically squares, two ends. Uh, and it, and it's a thick gauge wire, essentially. Um, there's no, yep. there's no jaws. Well, there's no spikes on the jaws. It's a big jaw that, that no. basically slams closed. So, um, yep. So how has, yep. how has, I want to get into the post. So how has trapping kind of opened your eyes to that realm? And I I understand you said that you're, you know, you've been interested in, in for a long time, but I think there's a lot of misconceptions. It's prehistoric. There's no fur market because that's what you hear all the time, right? There's no fur trade, there's yeah. no fur markets. What do you do with that stuff? Blah, 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 blah. But how does that, how does that open your eyes to the other, to the other aspects of the outdoors and put you in the position to where that post was so powerful? Yeah. So when I started trapping, I didn't get this last year when I was trapping just raccoons, which I thought was, I don't know, interesting. But this year, for sure, when I started to trap like beavers and otters and mink, I was really surprised by, like, I would say I got like, most of my feedback I get on my social media, honestly, is very, very positive. So I'm very lucky in that sense. But I was very, very shocked at how many, it wasn't a ton, but more than I expected other hunters or outdoorsmen bashing on me trapping. And I was like, what? 
Like it just, I did not see that coming because it's trapping is, it's so important truly in so many ways. It's a very humane way to go about uh, control of populations of beavers, otters, anything, wolves, coyotes, bobcats. Like I think the thing with most people when it comes to trapping is they, like you said, they don't understand how safe it really is and humane and you don't know those things until you really deep dive into trapping and the regulations they just see these like old school like Mm -hmm. jaws of death traps that are like cutting off animals legs which i don't even think were a thing but maybe like 400 years ago (laughs) but yeah it's just a big misconception and it's stories i was just told this other day there's stories of people who have like, you know, their dogs or something get stuck in a leg hold. And those people don't understand how to like get their dogs out of a leg hold. And they just panic. I literally just heard a story where some people probably from the city uh, got their dog walked into a foothold and they sh- the dad shot the dog in the foothold because he couldn't get it out. So and I and then wanted to kill the suffering, essentially. Yeah, he thought that I like I'm assuming he thought his dog was suffering. So he chose to shoot his dog in front of his family when his dog was honestly totally fine and not injured. He was just stuck in the foothold. If you would if he would have known how to get it out or even just gone and like called a fish and game officer, read told the situation, read the tag because there's a tag number on every single trap, then they could have officer could have came out and like, oh, yep took the dog right out of the trap dog is a hundred percent fine then he could have the officer could have got a hold of the trapper and said hey this happened whether he was um in the wrong or in the right because you there's so many regulations that are in place to make sure nothing happens the animals don't suffer you don't get accidental catches though accidental catches do happen sometimes but they have a lot of laws in place to make sure that they don't and it's just a big misconception. It's kind of one of those things where even in the hunting world, bad stories or myths get all the attention versus how things really are mm-hmm. in education. Well, you know, it's funny what strikes me with trapping, right? And I'm, I mean, to me, one of the biggest things is that I believe that the, every every state that's allowing trapping has a 24-hour limit on how long that trap could set without the trapper going and checking on the trap. I don't know how is is Idaho 24 hours or is it 48? Idaho 72. Oh, it's 72. Wow, that's so, one of the longer ones I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, and Idaho is 72 hours. Um I check all my so if I have a foothold out or something, even if it's for raccoons, I check them every 24 hours. Um and then my body gripping traps, I only check those every 72 because if it's, it's a body gripping trap it's dead and it's not going to, and then it's, you trap in the winter time. The animal is not going to expire. The animal is going to stay, it's going to be totally fine. Like I said, it's not suffering or anything. And, um, the footholds though, I do go check those every 24 hours. And that's just my personal choice because I would rather go see the animal is not hurt because all the footholds I use again are like, I don't know exactly what the term is, but they, they're not going to hurt it. They have like a cushion. I can literally put my hand in there. And a bit, even the big wolf ones that I have, and I'm not going to, it's not going to hurt my hand whatsoever. They're it just smooth jaw. Pressure. Well, they're smooth jaw too, right? Again, we're looking, we're talking, yeah. you know, antiques or relics when we see, 
you know, jaws that have that have teeth or spikes, however you, you know, look at that. Yep. Yeah. Even some of them now have like these rubber pads on them that are like cushioned. It's just a very, very like tight grip. It's almost like having your hand in like a Chinese finger <laughs> trap. Right. Like it's not it's just not going to come off. They're just stuck there. And even if you are going to go check a foothold every 72 hours, 72 hours, if you caught it the day you trapped it. And given the time of year you trap as well, the animal is not going to be harmed. It's not going to be in, like, it's not going to cause any damage to the animal to be in the trap that long. Um, like I said, I just check them every 72 or every 24 hours for those because personal preference. Right. And I honestly have a hard time not checking my traps every 24 hours anyways because I go home and I'm like, ooh, did well, I get yeah, something in I my get trap something. today? <laughs> You know, yeah. another part of that, right, is, is you know, we talk, you know, you hear it all the time. I won't even use some of the terminology. I won't even go there yet. But um, but it is a viable management tool when we talk, talk about trapping, right? So as hunters, um, we're out and we're, you know, that's one of our chest-pounding claims to fame, right? Hunter conservationist. <laughs> I'm helping manage populations. That's our that's our fallback. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but but trapping, I mean, excuse me. Um, big game, that's not the only thing that needs management, right? And you start getting into, you know, rodents and things like that, that needs yeah. management as well. So trapping is hugely viable in population control. Absolutely. I mean, you hear all the time stories about um, like canals breaking everything because muskrats are such an issue in so many places. And the only way you can trap a muskrat because you're, out, for what I know, you can't shoot them. You have to trap them. Um, and it's just a very useful tool. I mean, like uh, the town I grew up in, they had a huge issue with beavers down at the park. I'm going to be honest. They were like, there were like 12 beavers in this small area mowing all the everything trees down, <laughs> down yeah. at the park. Yeah, really, truly damaging everything down there. And it was so bad that they had to call in a trapper from out of state to come trap these nuisance beavers because they were causing a lot of damage. And I mean, everything, my husband and I preach this all the time and I, I try to preach it as much as I can. Every single animal needs managed. When we go duck hunting, I shoot mergansers sometimes, like the fish eating ducks. Are they good to eat? Hell no. I haven't eaten them or they taste good, but we manage them. We eat some of them. And then we also turn them to dog food for our dogs. So they're not eating processed dog food all the time. But I mean, everything needs managed at a healthy level. You can't just favor one animal and then completely ignore another. Yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah, because that's not a good balance. So, and, and like, I got a lot of hate on trapping otters this year because everyone's like, why would you trap an otter? It's like, do you know how many, like, fish an otter can go, like, mow right through in our river system? We've got steelhead, salmon. We have some really... um fragile game fish. I want to say fragile, but like their numbers slowly go down over time and they need help as well. And our area has a limit. We've got a quota where this area, we can only trap a certain amount. Each trapper, they just upped it one. Each trapper can only trap three otters this year. And so once you reach three, you're done. You can't keep any more. And once the quotas reach, the season shuts down. So they do a really good job at managing like making sure that they're pulling what they need without overtaking any from the population. It's all balanced. And that's another thing that people don't totally understand when it comes to 
certain animals being harvested or trapped. Well, they're fluffy and furry, right? So that yeah. I think that's when I mean that's you know this this thing with bears and wolves where you know people are just up at arms because they need management, and it's just like well, what do you what do you think's going to happen? And what about the other critters that are on the landscape that those two will impact with no control? Yeah. And then oh, not yeah. only the and otters are something else, right? Not only do they affect fish populations drastically or dramatically, but they'll affect the beaver population. If those otters get out of control, those beavers yep. are in trouble because those otters will go, especially in winter, will go and try and use those dens, right? So yep. yeah, they'll go kill the babies. And yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Kill each other. Otters are yeah. otters are ruthless, and they're I mean they're yeah. cool animals to watch. But an otter is oh, a ruthless yeah. little critter. <laughs> oh yeah, like they're actually kind of yeah, they're actually kind of like an intimidating in a way. Like this last winter, we knew where two were hanging. No, I guess there's four of them were hanging out. Unfortunately, the way the ice was flowing on the river, it was just no safe way to go down there and set traps. But when we were, my husband went down right next to the ice build up, and we just saw one go under it, and he had popped up under the ice like three feet from my husband and was growling mm -hmm. at him like really pissed and uh i actually i don't know if you saw this on my page but like a month ago or so i picked up my second roadkill otter for the year which was just crazy but i drove past it and I'm like oh that's otter in the road and i had my kids with me and my son's up front he's like oh i think it's a mink i'm like no that's a little big hun but <laughs> you go all the way down like another mile because the highway the stretch of highway there's like no pullouts or nothing we turn around come all the way back and it's in my side of the road at this point in the middle and i drive over it like don't hit it but i go over it and i'm like oh cool so we, again drive down another mile turn around come all the way back and i'm just driving kind of slow looking for a pullout or something and watching for cars and there happened to be a pullout right next to where it was like hit in the road. So I pulled over and I'm very, very glad I did not have my son go out and grab it. I was like, here, just stay here. I'll go grab it. I hop out, run over and just like double hand grab it. And it turns around and I'm like, Oh God, I, <laughs> I still left my body. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the last thing I want to do is get bit by, by an otter. Like, Oh my gosh, they have like, yeah. when you skin them out, their heads are just like muscle. And yeah, they're, they're not, they're really cute. Yeah. They are really, really fun to watch, but oh my yeah. gosh, I mean, they are vicious. They have that muscle structure. I mean, they'll go and they'll, you know, bust open shellfish, but they have that muscle structure to crush shellfish. Right. So it's like, yeah. Eh. They're, they ain't no joke. They're pretty, uh, they're, you know, they remind me of kind of, uh, kind of like raccoons of the water, right. In terms of their aggression and their ability to just whoop your ass. <laughs> oh yeah. Super territorial. They'll, they'll drown, they'll drown animals in mm -hmm. the river. Like anything ducks, anything that they feel is like a threat or in their territory, they'll go beat the crap out of it. So I actually, my first ever beaver I trapped this year was a younger one. And when I pulled him, I, like, I pulled the trap up and he was dead because I was doing 330. I pulled him up and he had bite marks on his legs from an otter that had found like found him after the fact or before maybe and just bit the crap out of him and chewed him up. Like they're just super aggressive. And I want to touch on another thing. Like trappers are also like very, very responsible. People see like, oh my gosh, you've trapped 
seven beavers, like you're just overkill. It's like, no, no, no. It's another thing where people, I feel like speak before they really understand or know anything. I am, I trapped a huge span of the river, like 40 miles of river. And I took seven beavers out of 40, 50 miles. And I, one area I trapped and I found had, uh, it had like five dens in this like 200 yard stretch. And there was a massive feed bed, like as big as my car and all the bushes were mowed down. It was crazy. It was just, there were so many beavers in this little area right here. And so I set traps on the dens and the first beaver I pulled out of there was a really big male. I was like, Oh, perfect. And it was obvious that there were more beavers in the den. Like it was a family, but I pulled the trap. I did not reset the trap on that den again because I got the mail and that's ideally if you're, that's the one you catch, just pull your trap and I left the rest of the family alone. And then I had other traps on the other dens and like a week later, I ended up trapping another really big male. So I trapped him. I pulled that trap and I actually pulled all my traps off that bank because I figured the rest of the beavers that beavers that were there were the families, like the kits and the moms. I got the big males out of there and leave it alone and that year this year i won't go trap that area again i'll go back the following year so every other year but that's something that i feel like is a big misconception is that trappers are very very responsible for most trappers are very very responsible about how much we're trapping in an area and making sure that we're keeping a healthy population and not over trapping at all so Another another point on that, right? Just so people are are understanding, and we talk about beavers and the necess the necessity for management. And in a two hundred yard stretch, if you have four or five dens, that's yeah. bottom of that river or pond or whatever they are inhabiting in that amount of space, that entire yeah. bottom, that aquatic yeah. system, and those plants, they're pretty much done. Yeah. So because they're going to take everything that they cut off and use as a food source and they're going to bring that underwater and then I'll be their winter stockpile so they don't have to come above the ice. Yep. <clears throat> and <clears throat> they absolutely decimate aquatic environments if they're not managed correctly. I mean literally decimate. Oh yeah. And and in this specific spot too, they're actually almost like they cause the same issues as like muskrats do in a lot of places because this area is like it's a bank and it's it's a very it's kind of a steep bank that goes up to the highway and they will dig a new den almost a new den every single year because the when the river floods like it's really really high it washes out all those old dens and then they have to go back in and they have to re-den that means they got to dig further and further and further each year and it keeps eroding and eroding and eroding and I, I'm sure like within the next, I don't know, 10 years, maybe, depending if that those beavers stay very, very heavy right there, it could potentially cause issues for the literally the highway right mm-hmm. there with all that bank eroding off. And yeah, it's all the, all the vegetation right there, like all the bushes were gone and they will move out once the food is gone. But they're like, I didn't real. there's something I learned this year that by just by watching them. Beavers will actually travel quite a ways away from their den if there's food and like a reasonable distance for them to travel. They'll swim pretty far and they'll bring it all the way back, especially on the river because they'll go up like way up far. Then they'll get food. Then they'll just basically Drift float down. it all yeah. the way down. And so 
it keeps that area getting hit really, really hard. And there's a lot of damage that they cause when there's too many of them. So I love all animals. It's, it's, I love going out there and watching them, finding them, learning about them. And I, it's because I trap, I trap because I care about how everything is managed and stays and survives and thrives because I truly thrive when they're not overpopulated. How does the beaver eat? I've always been curious. Honestly, it's honestly really good. So funny thing though, like five years ago when I first met my husband, he had trapped a beaver and he had it in the fridge. He's like, oh, you got to try beaver. It's so good. I'm like, okay, like I'm pretty much up to try almost anything. And he like did this total bachelor thing where he like marinated it and like everything he had in his freezer <laughs> or in his fridge. And then he threw it on the barbecue and he barbecued it. And then I tried it and it was so fucking gross. <laughs> I was like, no, I, that aftertaste literally wasn't in my mouth for like an hour. So this year, so this year I, I wanted to try something different. I was, There's got to be a way to do this better. So we took the hinds off the big ones because the little ones, they're, uh, oh, if you skin them, they are nasty looking. <laughs> There's more guts to them than meat. meat right. So. Yeah, the big ones, though, we kept we took the hinds off them and we put them in the crock pot and cooked them just like a roast. And it was so good. Like, it's really, really good like that. So we did that with all of them. Um, and I would highly recommend it. The I kept like the front legs and a couple random scraps off of them, like ones that weren't really cookable and put them in our freezers to use for our spring bear bait that we ran this year. Yeah. And Bears love beaver, which I always think is so funny because it's like, when do they ever have the chance to eat a beaver? Why would they even like this? <laughs> but, but yeah, so we used everything. I have all the hides in the freezers. I still honestly need to flush them. <laughs> but that's, that's I mean, some work right there. Oh, uh, I know. I'm regretting it. I was like, I got four kids. If I could teach them all, we could have like a little sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> <Flush them. laughs> so you, are you fleshing and you tanning yourself as well? Uh, so I have always sent out my furs to get tanned, but I kept all, almost all my raccoon hides this year because I want to learn to do it myself. I want to flesh and tan all our stuff because we have, man, we have a lot of bears in the freezer right now. It just gives me anxiety thinking about it. <laughs> I think we have, because we have ours from this year. So that's four between my husband and I. And then we have... Ours from last year, they're still in the freezer. That's my husband shot one in Oregon. And then, so that's five. We have nine bears in the freezer right now that need flushed and tanned. So it would really be nice if we could do that ourselves. Heck yeah. Um, and I just like the self-sufficiency of it anyways. So, so. when you when you go to tan, are you going to do it traditionally or have you have you looked at that endeavor yet? I want to, my first uh, attempt is going to be with the brain tan because yeah. I've heard brain tanning is just the way to go. Yeah. It's the old school way and it's just ends up with a really nice soft tan. Usually if you work really hard at it. Yeah. That's some so, freaking work though. Yeah. yeah you're going to have, I can't wait to see that. Right. Because that you got to document that time lapse or something, that process, because it is, oh, uh, when I first saw that, I was like, well, that's interesting, right? But it had to happen somewhere at some point. Who the hell figured that out? Like, yeah, right? It's like, I'm going to get these brains nasty and 
that's what's gonna do it. That's yeah. But yeah, you'll have to yeah, you'll have I'm, to show that process because that is freaking neat. And I mean it's right there, right? It's the animal okay. preserving the animal. It's so bitching. Yep. I, I really enjoy that whole aspect of like of the outdoors. It like is a self sustaining thing. Like you can tan with the animal. You can eat you eat the animal like everything, like bears. We the bear fat is like gold. And if you get a bear with a lot of fat on it, keep every tiny piece of that fat and render it down. Even cube up the fat. It turns into these like really tasty little pork rind tasting treats. Oh, they're so good. You render down the fat, clean out all the extra stuff. You keep it as oil. We cook with it. And then we cook our bear meat in it. It's just, I even know a gal who like uses the rendered down oil for like pastries. She made chapstick and like boot grease. Um, I don't go that far, but I mean, it's just... There's so much you can get out of an animal that's just, and that also kind of ties into back into my business. Like I make bear claw jewelry that I don't sell everywhere because there's like laws on bears and stuff. But like, I try to incorporate like our waterfowl hunting. I pull the feathers off all our birds and even our upland bird hunting. And I make that into jewelry. It's just a uh, using every bit we can. And it just makes it all more special too. Right. Legitimately using every bit you can, right? Because that's another chest pound that hunters like to do, right? Uh, but it's like, no, you're really not yeah. using every bit of that animal, man. I've seen <laughs> I've seen a whole lot of hides and bone left on that mountain. Um, yeah. So Right. Um Yeah. That's yeah, that's so freaking cool to watch that stuff. And then like I said, you know, watching it and going, okay, trapping. And then to see, you know, that success kind of the build up and then boom, there it is, right? And the excite you feel like you're you're part of the excitement of it. And it's like, oh shit, she's got one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. was that yeah. was a couple of big ass beavers. I mean, they were freaking tanks. Yeah, they're pretty big. Like and that also goes to show like being a first year trapper and that the fact that I was able to trap a couple really big beavers. And I only started trapping beavers like the last three, four weeks of season. Like I didn't start the beginning of season. I just started after, uh, towards the end. And then I was very, very, very blessed to be able to trap two otters. Like that's a huge accomplishment. But again, like as a rookie to be able to trap, I'm like, there's a lot of otters on the river here. And I mean, I was just so incredibly blessed. And like, I, I've gone back and watched those videos a couple of times where I like had got one in the trap. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, <laughs> really extra. I'm like, yeah, extra but when I like going to post it and I'm like, you know what? I also try to be like, that really is how I am in the moment. So I'm just going to throw it out there. That's you're seeing me. It may be annoying as hell to watch me cussing and being over the top with this weird pitchy voice. But I mean, that's genuinely how excited and happy I am in the moment. And it's, yeah, just a blessing. Yeah, it's, so I it's, love every bit of it. Yeah. It's cool to watch it. I don't, I, you know, like I said, I enjoy it. It's uh, you're taking on a new endeavor and then anytime someone, you know, steps up to a challenge, especially something like trapping, right. You know, uh, it, mm -hmm. there's not many folks really going after that. And I appreciate the heck out of the work that goes into it. So to watch that, I'm, I'm in the, you know, I'm sitting there with you and I'm like, yes, I'm cheering for you and shit. <laughs> um, so I'm, 
I'm glad we had this conversation, you know, or this part of the conversation, but what really prompted me going, Hey, Laura, will you get on with me? Was you posted, I believe it was about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks at this point. And you kind of, you kind of just, and there was a look, you had a look in your face and, and I was like, okay, this is really something that's bothering her. Um, Mm -hmm. And you were basically like, Hey, you know, in a nutshell, and we'll get into it, but this infighting that we do as as outdoors men and women or sportsmen, whatever you know name you want to put on it, uh, is ridiculous. Like, what the hell's going on? Um, why don't you talk about yeah. that a little bit, and uh, we'll just see where that goes. Yeah. So, yeah, and like as I said in that video, the like since I've been on social media the more I post my hunting, I, and like I've said before, I've been very blessed and lucky to have most like 90% positive feedback. Um, I don't get hate for much or anything, but when I see on like other people's posts or something, someone posts a picture of them with their like two point buck or something, you always see someone in the comments. They're like, Oh, wow. Like, could have shot something bigger or something like bashing on for that or people bashing on each other for like what weapon they're using or what animal they're choosing to go hunt. And it's like such a disheartening thing I see constantly because it's like, I don't understand why people can't be happy for other people when they're truly happy and doing something they love. Like you just see it on there. Like, like traditional bowmen like bashing on compound hunters compound hunters bashing on crossbow hunters like muzzleloaders uh hunters bashing on long-range rifle hunters like archery oak hunters bashing on waterfowl hunters like uh, mule coos deer hunters bashing on mule deer hunters it is literally goes on and on and on like like fly fishermen bashing on like people like me who fish for fun and like I, i don't get it I don't get it at all. It's such an un, we're going to, we're going to be our own downfall with that kind of stuff. Let me, let me do this. I'm going to cut you off. I'm sorry. I want, I want, I want the emotion. I want people to understand what we got. So I'm going to actually see if I can, I'm going to swing us into Instagram. I'm going to see how good I am on this. I'm going to swing us into Instagram here and I'm going to go to that flipping post. Oh, I can't hear you. I don't know if I can. I'm supposed to hear you or not. I can't hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? No. I think this is it. Hi, everybody. I wanted to take probably a few minutes to talk. Shoot. All right. Hold on. I'm. I'm I got it, but I'm going to. Uh oh. I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't hear you. I, I can hear you. You're okay. Oh, you can hear yeah. me? Yeah. Yes. I don't know if I'm supposed to do something no, to try to hear you're, you. You're okay. Just hold on. Hold on. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. okay. All right. So I'm going to, I got the video. So I'm going to pull that up and I'm going to play okay. that and hopefully you could hear it if not, but that at least the folks that are listening can understand why. Let's talk okay. about something that's been are we good now? weighing on me for the last okay. like, couple months. Especially, but and uh, I try not to do like heavy topics usually. But like I've said before in the past, like if I want to talk about something that's on my mind, like I'm gonna fucking talk about it. And that is the cannibalism 
I see in the hunting community. It's pretty crazy to me, honestly, like how cannibalistic of mindset so many hunters. You just give me the thumbs up. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, Lord, but you talk shit about people all the time. I talk shit about people who are doing really stupid shit, whether they're doing immoral things, uh, they're fucking breaking the law, like the only reason they're out there hunting is because they're trying to fucking give tension and uh, free opportunities or like use that as their stepping stool to like get places in life. People who are hunting not because of the pure love and passion for it. So there's a big difference. Okay. All right. So I got, I got to where you said there's a big difference, right? And you talked about the love and the passion for it. And what I'll do is I'm going to cut that entire thing in maybe somewhere in the podcast. I'll figure that out. Um, but I wanted okay. people to hear it because there was so much like, I follow you so I know, right? And and you are 99.9% of the time all smiles. And that yeah. post, you were troubled. Like you could legitimately see in your eyes like this shit ain't fun. So sorry about cutting you yeah. off. And I just wanted people to kind of hear at least some of that so they understood. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, am I supposed to be talking no, right now? <laughs> no, no. I pulled the post up and was recording it as you were, go as you were talking on there. So – um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and it was just, you know, it, and, and you said something and, and the thing that really got me was, you know, just doing it because you love it and you're passionate about it. And that was just like, okay, like I, we are, we are in line with our value set there. Right. I mean, it's just like, why, why? And I say it all the time. I've done episodes with, uh, with my buddy, Chris Rowe and, uh, Jim Huntsman. He's, he's up your way. And we've done episodes that we've caught, we caught hell because we're just swinging for the fences. We're like, okay, you, you know, we love sportsmen. We love what we do, but why are we being shit bags? And essentially that was your post, um, you know, maybe in a nicer way of saying it, but we caught so much grief. But so yeah. what, what triggered, what triggered that? What, what happened to where you were like, you know what, I'm talking about this. Like. I guess it was a buildup, especially over, I mean, probably like over the last 10 months or so, just seeing, just seeing like so much of uh, so many people bashing on other people, hearing stories from like friends of ours who got a lot of shit for like something they were really happy about. Like a friend of ours who lives in Vermont went over to Ohio, I think Ohio or Iowa, one of those like really big white tail states, you know? Well, New York doesn't have shit for bucks. Like New York's whitetail. If you shoot a spike, you're like, woo, that's a good deer. <laughs> and him going over to, I can't remember, Iowa or Ohio and shooting, he shot like a pretty good, like for us, like four point. And he was just over the moon. Like he didn't get the opportunity to do that. And he, and he said he got shit from like sharing it and he was scared to post it on social media because he like, I just, he's like, well, I don't know. Like, I just don't want to get like people being like, well, you went to there and you shot that. It's like, what, how sad is that? Yeah. Like how that's crap because he was genuinely excited and proud of it. And the fact that anyone would go shame him for something he's super proud of, is just really disgusting to me. And like the constant trash talking of different kind of hunters is just, 
it's disgusting. That's about the only word I could think for it. It's just really shitty. Uh, bashing on a whole type of hunters, like bashing on all waterfowl hunters, bashing on all mule deer hunters, bashing on all long range rifle hunters. Like it's everything. There is every single type of hunting an animal that gets bashed on by somebody else who hunts something else. And I'm like, I don't get it because I'm happy for anybody who is out there enjoying whatever the fuck it is. Right. I don't care if they're out there with a big ass smile on their face and they're having a good time and they're doing things morally, ethically, legally, and Ooh. for the right reasons that we should all be genuinely happy for that person, no matter Absolutely. what they're doing and who they are. The thing. And then people, people heard me say this on that video and they're like, Oh, Laura, like, you you bash on people and you talk shit and I'm like I talk shit on people who do bad like stupid things are showing poor and like immoral behavior. I will call that out every single day of the week and not give a shit even who it is. If you have one follower or you have a million followers, I don't care. I don't have anything to lose over that. Um, but I have never ever ever bashed anybody for doing something they love, the size of the animal they shot, the choice of weapon. It like, I don't get it. I don't, I think that is a very, very poor sportsman behavior it's, and there needs to, it needs to be talked about more often. Oh yeah. You sure. try and talk about it. Those same people are giving you shit about talking about it. Yeah. They're like, well, you, yeah. they're like, well you, know, you just say that because you shoot small animals. It's like, fuck sakes, man. Like I'm saying it because it's just not right. I've got friends who shoot massive animals fucking once in a lifetime animals and are and are super they're over the moon they are in it for the right reasons they're hunting morally ethically legally they love it it's their passion and then i have friends who shoot does or like they shoot a coyote or whatever or like a small buck and they are over the moon for that they're super excited and because they're doing it morally ethically legally and for the right reasons and both those people with extremely polar opposite animals, whether they're a species or size, they're both just as true heart, like hearted sportsmen as can be. And that doesn't make either of them better than the other. That's something I can't stand is where people think they're better than other people because they do something a certain way. You could, you could go out there and shoot the biggest freaking 400 elk inch elk. And that doesn't make you a good person or a good hunter really over someone who shoots a cow elk. <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting thing, right? Because so there's, there's choices in that, right? And there's folks that, you know, for like me and my, in, in my elk pursuit, right? I have a caliber, caliber of bull. Like I'll walk off the mountain empty handed. If that caliber of bull doesn't present an opportunity for me to uh, arrow it mule deer, yeah. I'd prefer a big buck, but am I going to spend that time? I have a, maybe a week in rifle season for mule deer, I'm going to shoot whatever sucker that gets me excited, right? If if it's like, oh yeah, it's dead. If I'm out yep. for seven days, I'm on the seventh day and I have an hour of light left and a little three point comes out or a, or a fork, I'm killing yep. it. I got a, I should have yep. brought that shit up here. I have a, I have a <laughs> rack that's downstairs in the garage and I kid you not, he's probably this tall. He's a, a three by four. It's a mule deer. And I mean, he's super tiny. It's like this big. But we were, yeah. it was eight days on the hunt. Hadn't seen nothing. Wolves really bad. 
last, literally, I'm going to get up in the morning, see at first light what comes out. We got to be on the road by 8 a.m. That yep. gray light came up. That sucker presented itself. <laughs> rifle went off. I don't care. I was, <clears throat> I was so ecstatic that that buck had presented an opportunity in the last moment that yep. I was good with it. Right. I've gone up and I'm like, man, I have no time to hunt. Mama's like, Hey, can you be home a little bit? Like you've been gone. I miss you. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm, let me go get this tag burnt. Right. Run out. Yep. Oh, there's a doe. I arrow the doe. I don't, I don't understand why there is such a deal. And matter of fact, that particular doe, I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to post that doe just to see how many people want to comment about me arrowing or shooting a doe. And I honestly, yep. I didn't get that. I didn't get any negative to it. Uh, everybody was like, heck yeah. And I was like, you know, yep, it's a doe, you know, big deal. Mm -hmm. It's meat in the freezer. I love mule deer. Um, yep. And there's no, there's it's nothing, still a hunt. Yeah. You get out to yeah. do what you enjoy, but how many people are going out and shooting 170s, 180s, 200 plus mule deer every year? Most of the people talking the mess aren't even hunting the time it takes to go out and do that. You know, and yeah. it's like you're you're it's like you're falling yeah. into this garbage talking cycle. Yeah, but you're but they're not even doing what they're saying you should be doing. So it's like how the yeah. fuck can you judge someone for doing what makes them happy on their freaking pursuit and you're not even successful yeah. on your hunt? Yeah, you know, so it's like, exactly. well, let's, let's bash on your ass because you can't kill nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Like, I don't see what you. I don't see your one ninety buck this yeah. year. It doesn't <laughs> Why make, are you talking? It doesn't make any sense to me, and it drives me crazy because <laughs> what what we do, in my opinion, is one of the most pure and beautiful things that a person can endeavor to do. Period, bar none. I've never experienced anything in life outside of my family that gives me so much fulfillment, so much purpose, and, and so much connection to the land, my creator, everything, right? It, it is what makes yep. me whole. I just yep. don't understand why I should shit on Laura for how she chooses to endeavor outdoors. It doesn't, I don't get it. Yep. I don't either. And I, I literally could not agree with you anymore on that. It's just people, I don't know why they feel they need to go run their mouths on other people, like putting their standards or their judgments on someone else. Like, that's the thing. I saw all these, all this hate and stuff I see for a lot of people. It's like, you have no idea. Like you said, what their time, their amount of time they even have to go out there and do it, what their opportunities look like. They may only have two days out of the entire season to make it happen and not two days in a row, like two, two days yes, with maybe like right a out, out. couple hours here, a couple hours there. Like, yep. and then you never know. Do you know, ex you, do you know literally exactly where they're hunting and what the animals are like there? Do you know if there are big caliber animals there? What's the population like? What's the rules like? What kind of tag they have? Like people who run their mouths don't actually know a single thing about what that person experienced what that, where they were hunting, what animals were there, like just running their mouth to put them down. And for what? Like, I don't get that. There's no need to shit on someone else's like 
their experience, mm-hmm. especially like you said, it's the most pure thing you can go do. And like I said, I couldn't agree with you more. Every that's why I'm out there every moment I can, whether it's by myself, which I do a lot by myself, just due to like when my kids are in school, if I have time while they're there, or like my husband's schedule and mine are a little funky. Like I do a lot alone. And I truly let that sink into my soul as cheesy as that sounds. Oh, it's not cheesy. When I'm out there, like even when I don't, I'm not successful. Like there's people, I think, I think, yeah, it does suck when you go out and like you're not successful, but I would really love to push the message that if you go out and even if you're having a hard time, you're not seeing anything, it's discouraging. Literally just like sit down for two minutes, one minute, 60 freaking seconds sit there and just stop thinking about what you're doing and just like look around Mm -hmm. and just take it in and ground yourself. Because like I said this before, I said this on another video, maybe this last fall or winter that it is when you're out there, no matter what you're doing, whether you're hunting, fishing, trapping, shed hunting, whatever it is, just hiking. It is the only place on this freaking planet. I truly believe where you are in like the real world. Yes. All the noise shuts up. All the stupid things are gone that don't actually matter in your life. It's just really important for us all to ground ourselves like that. I truly believe it. It has, it, and I, I say it all the time, it has a way of humbling you and, and making you realize what really is important, right? As you cut all that other crap off, that the outdoors mm-hmm. provides a humility um, that... I mean, it, it, I'll go out and, and I'm, I'm this big, you know, a week on the mountain. And then when I, when I come off the mountain, it's like, yeah, I got to leave. I, my bullshit stays like, you don't need to come back with me. Right. I and mean, it's just, yep. you get that time to work that out. Talk to your creator. However, you know, someone may view that, um, take your boots off, put your feet in the dirt yep. and just be one with it. And that, yeah, that, yeah. now that shit sounds cheesy. <laughs> no, but, uh, but that, that legit. is so it's like all these all these cheesy sayings as I get older all these things I was told as a kid I'm like ah, whatever like that was dumb That's I real like shit. It, so much truth to it yeah. it really is and uh it it like really bothers me because of what we just said how pure and important it is for us all to get that one way or another like I said I don't give shit if you're even out there just like hiking around you're like on a trail and you're hiking just being out there enjoying yourself whether you're shed hunter waterfowl hunter whatever like i hate seeing other sportsmen bashing on people trying to get that in their life because who are you to tell someone they they don't have the right to be happy that's pretty much what it comes down to is like I don't like you're happy right now. Well, you shouldn't be. <laughs> have you have you tripped out on some of the like you get on the Facebook hunting groups and there'll be somebody, hey, this is my first year as a hunter or my first year hunting mule deer here or my first year as an elk hunter. And let let the shit ensue. And it's just like yeah. you don't have to get on and just talk a bunch of shit right and then there are some points people make like hey you need to read your regulations i 110 percent agree but maybe that person is ignorant of that right like yeah read your read your regs so there's certain answers that are probably they're snive but they're accurate 
You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but if you get yeah, on those no, things, it's like, wow, we really don't want to keep this going. Right. Because we're yeah. going to chase new people out just, and there, I've seen people post on there. Like, yeah, I was really excited about doing this and I thought it was a good community, but fuck these people. I mean, legit. I think it was on, uh, I think it was on Colorado elk hunting on Facebook. And he, and the guy was basically like, fuck you people. Like, I can't believe yeah. that this is what I stepped into. And I saw that yeah. and I messaged him, direct messaged him. And I was like, Hey man, I apologize. Some of us don't know how to approach it. And it, the shit that was set and it was bad, like bad, yeah. bad. And I'm like, you know, that wasn't right. You know, if you have any questions, you let me know. I don't give a shit. I'll take you out. Um, and it's just yep. like, how do we, what do we think that that's going to garner us in terms of support? We chase people out that we do that to. They're there. That is the next anti-hunter, <laughs> right? Like it, it really is. You shit on it that person. Is. They are going to, they're going to get vindictive and, and the wrong person. Oh, that's just, the, they're going to be on a mission. Yeah. It's, it is very, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's like, that's been, that's been around for a long time. And like, you do see the like ignorant, stupid questions here and there. And it is like, you know, the, Hey, maybe just like check out and read the regs and learn about whatever, like, I do see those comments where people are asking kind of like free knowledge and like trying to get the lazy around, like, well, somebody just tell me, Yeah. <laughs> but, but like there, like you said, there's like a right way to go about responding to that. The just bashing on people for like, just to be an asshole is just That's how freaking seems. nuts. Especially like on the new, like I said, like I'm not, this may sound, sound uh, contradictive in a way. Like I'm not one to like, I don't really believe in having like recruiting mass and mass amount of hunters because I don't think that recruiting just like masses is good because I think we need a good quality base. Like I think the hunters that we do have and the ones that are still coming in, cause there's a lot, like we need to show, like we need to have a good quality hunters. So like, uh, <laughs> I've, um, I actually, one of my good friends, Brittany, actually her name is Brittany. funny story i've been calling her the wrong name for like three years and then she like <laughs> threw a joke told me her name was Brittany, and i was like is that really your name she's like yeah i was like what the hell i've been calling you Brittany for three years and you never corrected me what the hell and she was like well i know it's just it's kind of a confusing name but anyways i met her so she is from oregon and she was living near portland when she reached out to me on instagram this is four years ago and she at the time, I think it was like 35 and she had never hunted before. I think she'd gone on like two weekend kind of hunts with her cousins, her older cousins, uh, for elk in Oregon, just like very, not like a good experience, not bad experience, but she didn't get like a real experience. Right. And she reached out to me and just said, Hey, like, I think it's really cool. You do all this stuff. Like, do you have any, I think she said like, do you have any advice on how to get started? Cause she didn't know anybody who hunted like no one where she lived she lived in the city all her connections were like city folk who didn't do anything outdoors and we just got to talking and she reached out to me I think it was like in April and I was like hey like if you are willing to buy a tag a bear tag you can come out and sit on my bait and come hunt with me and she's oh really I was like yeah you can come out come out and hunt with me and stay for like she came out and she stayed for four days and we sat the bait and didn't see shit. <laughs> 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 but 
But we talked a lot. She got to like kind of experience how the bait was run. We went and glassed for bears. We saw elk and we shot like our bows in the middle of the day and stuff. And it was like a really good experience for her. And she had a great time. She ended up coming up the next year. We went on a spot and stock bear hunt in uh, Hell's Canyon. Didn't see shit. Actually, we saw one bear, <laughs> but it had a little cub with it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so, so, um, she got, again, didn't get a bear that year. And we were out there for five days, putting on the freaking miles out there. And then she came last year and I was like, all right, enough's enough. I was like, we are getting you your bear. And she, like said, she hadn't even shot like a Tweety bird. She never shot a single animal before. And so I shot my, I filled my second tag for the season. It was June 3rd and I kept my bait running until June 18th to ensure I was out there every three days, rebating, checking the card, writing down which bears were coming in and when I was like dead set and determined to get her her bear. Cause she just, I just want to see her get one. Like it is really something special to be a part of someone yeah. shooting their first animal, like really, truly. And we'd been working so hard at it for like three years and so she comes over, drives all the way over. We go shoot a rifle. Next morning, we go out first thing, go sit on the bait. And only like three hours in, we were probably like 15 minutes to when we needed to leave. And a bear walked into the bait. And we sit on the ground like 60 yards from the bait. And she gets all ready. And I was videoing and was my crappy camera. So it's like blurry and grainy as <laughs> hell. But she shoots them makes a pretty good shot and he goes running back and we went and we went and found him and she was just belated like super over the moon uh, just overwhelmed yeah. it's such a like especially i think like, it's really special to go out with a kid and see them get their first animal but i will say i will say it's very very different taking out like an adult going out and shooting their first animal it's a very special thing to be a part of and so like I went on my way for three years to help her. And we are really good friends now. Get her first animal. Um, I get accused all the time of like, oh, you just don't like other hunters and stuff. I'm like, Pfft. I was like, I love other hunters, true outdoorsmen. Those are like my family, my Hell people. Yes. I love them. But I, I also, like I said earlier, when I made this video, we were talking about that you wanted to have podcast over. I got people being like, oh, boy, you talk shit. And I'm like, yeah, I call it the people that are in like the hunting community that are setting a really bad example and like set, like maybe sending messages that are not good for us, not good for the new hunters coming in. Like whether it's I'm always I'm always making my jokes about the insta huntresses and stuff who are like more concerned about how they're looking rather than enjoying themselves in the outdoors and I just think that's an awfully sad message to be sending to young female hunters or even just new adult female hunters and or like people who are making intentional unethical shots like face shots with a bow on deer and I'm like what in the hell like and then passing off like it's fine and that stuff I will every every day call out the worst <laughs> the worst so you you saw the one that was posted then with the with the mule deer and and the level of defense just because the animal was dead, that that garnered was, in my opinion, flipping appalling. And if you're going to, huh? Sorry. 
the first part of that kind of like cut out. So I didn't hear the first oh. like half of your sentence. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. No, I was saying that I, I think you're talking about the same post. Um, where it was a, it was a nice buck and he had an arrow to the head and the, oh. the amount yeah. of support or defense that they got about posting that was in my opinion, was absolutely appalling. Right. That yeah. was sick. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that big velvet mule deer. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, he got, he started to get hate on that and all these really big pages, these all these big mule deer pages, like Muley Freak, I'm going to call them right out, shared it and they're like, oh, congratulations, stop giving him a hard time. And I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. That's disgusting. Do not support that. Like, I understand that some, some shots, bad shots happen, happen, happen right. on accident. It happens to everybody at some point or another if you hunt enough. But the difference is, is you do not ever post any like pictures or videos of your bad shot. Like you're proud of it or like, Hey, it's okay. Especially like the new hunters and stuff who are like, Oh, well, I saw this guy shoot this mule deer in the face with his bow. Like I can do that. And they think that that's a good shot to take. That's, oh, it's yeah. so just, that's so bad. And I, yeah, that kind of stuff I'll call out. There was another guy who's, got a really big page. I can't remember his name off the top of my head because he blocked me. <laughs> but um because I went and commented on it. But he uh he posted I want to say it was like a reel of a bunch of hunting pictures and it was all really great until I think he posted he posted one with a white tail with an arrow right through its face. And I went and commented on it and I was like, dude, and this, this is somebody with a big platform. Do not, do not be showing unethical shots. And he defended his shot. He was like, it was the only shot I had. And it was, and I, I was using or whatever, whatever. It was fine. I'm like, that's, and he's like, I, it's the only shot I had. I'm like, then it shouldn't have died. Yeah. It then should have walked. Then he shouldn't have shot it. Yep. Like it's such a bad example. And that disgusts me. So it makes me mad. The thing that like really gets me going is that we get, like we were talking about earlier, all a lot of outdoorsmen so easily jump on and bash other outdoorsmen who are, like I said, hunting legally, ethically, morally. They're doing something they love. They bash on them. That don't have thousands of followers. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they hesitate to call out poor behavior like that. Mm-hmm. Usually because if it's from someone who's like a big deal, which right. I am not a part of this popularity contest thing where they're like <laughs> – Oh, I don't want to say anything bad to this person because they have a hundred thousand followers. Like, no, it doesn't matter. Like I said earlier, I could give a shit less. But you know, and some of that for me, I mean, it's like okay, you do what you do, right? If you you know you want a private account or you know you want to share that with your friends, I get it. I get it. I don't agree with it. the The biggest issue that I have with it is the perception from the people that don't know what we do or why we do it. That, that don't understand that, you know, like you've been saying, morally, ethically, responsibly, legally, um, they don't they don't have an idea. They see that, and it's like, this is horrible shit. Yep. It is horrible, you know. Uh, coyote headshots yeah. is another one, right? Like, I, I, I'm not going to bullshit. I love to watch that stuff on YouTube. I love to search it out, yep. right? But don't yeah. pop them in the head and then yeah. post – googly eye dead coyote like it does nothing for us it does absolutely zero for us it actually does more harm than good 
And then people say, well, those, yep. the anti hunters will never be, will never stray them or will never sway them. So, so what? This is what it is. And it's like, no, that's, that's not 110% no. accurate. We haven't presented it accurately. Yes, there's those people that'll never come on board, but we got to affect yeah. whatever we can affect, every opportunity that we get to affect it positively. In others' eyes, it, <clears throat> whether you like yep. you, if whether you like agree with that statement or not, it is our responsibility. It's part of what we do in this day and age with these platforms that we're posting shit on. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like it's very very important for us to present ourselves ourselves in a respectable manner, like. He said, there's anti-hunters that will never understand the killing of any animal, no matter what the situation, like there's no excuse. Yeah, we'll never get to those people, but we absolutely do not need to be giving them fuel for their fire because they're doing a pretty dang good job at shutting some stuff down, like (laughs) spring bear hunting in Washington is gone. A really good job. The last two years, the last two years, they have swung for the fences and we can't pitch for shit. Because they're hitting every single ball, and there's broken windshields in that parking lot. I mean, it is just unbelievable the victories that they have under their belts. Scary, yep. scary. I mean, talk I about. And they're getting into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Commissions. I was going to say, talk about your trapping situation. New Mexico, they had that big issue. I believe it's been about a year and a half, maybe two years now. Where, you know, trapping ban because of what you said, right? Is you got people saying, well, I walk my dogs. Okay, so then move yep. us out, have the trapping season set, put post the signs. You think that'd be the way to go. Nope. Guess what? Bye-bye. You know, and it's just like, wow. And yep. we didn't support it as, as you know, hunters. We're not supporting the trappers. Now, you think those trappers, those same yeah. trappers are going to be in support of us losing opportunity when we didn't come together um, as a – as a sportsman's group, right. You know, and, and we left them out to dry. You think we're going to get their support now? The bird, the bird guys, um, you know, taking the dogs out, they were in opposition to the trappers. So it's like, well, where do you think your support is going to come from? Yep, exactly. Like I would love to see more of a, like camaraderie, a genuine camaraderie amongst us hunters. Because, like I said, there's there there are quite a few hunters, like especially on Instagram and stuff, that I just like roll my freaking eyes in the back of my head at, that are either like not setting a good example, they're portraying things the wrong way, or I can like it's pretty obvious that they're not really doing it for the right reasons. But there are so many, so many good-hearted true hunters that just want to do what they do and they're take the shirt off your back to help you and point you in the right direction. Like I can't tell you how many times that my husband and I have like run into someone on the river or out in the woods or wherever the hell we are and stop and talk with them. And then like we give each other pointers like, oh, there we ran into. So this last winter, my husband and I went out hunting to fill his deer tag and he had shot a buck and we were coming off the mountain and we came across this group of guys. They were like all trying to pack on these four wheelers. It was like six of them on like two four wheelers. And they're trying to get back down because they like, they ended up getting like their truck stuck. So they were like, just trying oh, to all pack on these four wheelers. But 
we stopped and talked to them for a while and they were telling us like, oh, they hadn't seen anything. And they were like, we knew the area pretty well and they were just like not in a good area. And so my husband's like, oh, well, if you guys like tomorrow, just go all the way up in here and told him like right where to go. He's like, we saw a bunch of deer today. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. And they were super nice. And like on the river, the steelhead season, there was a, there's a group that's always there. I don't think my husband had ever, like ever met them, but he met them this year and they were super, super nice. They're like, here, come over, have some like food. And they're like feeding us like Heck tacos yeah. and <laughs> shit. And our kids were there and they were running around. They were like feeding our kids and like helping them do all this stuff. And like, it's, there's just such a, there's such a like true com- camaraderie, especially I feel like more when you meet people in person mm-hmm. out there. Like you're just like, Hey, we're all out there doing the same thing. Like you run into kind of douchey people sometimes, but like our, I feel like our experience most of the time really it's is really good. Positive, yep. It's just, you, you see more of an extreme, like on social media, either one way or the other. And I see an extreme of the negatives on how, social media of people. How do we, how do we fix it? How do we affect it? How do you and I affect it and, and aim or strive for positive change and bringing people together so we don't let the infighting kill us? Yeah. I think like, just for me, what I try to do some, like when I can is, like people reach out to me. I'm always very, very kind and we help people out. Um, I, I talk about it from person to person and like my DMS, um, when hunting season rolls around, no matter what it is, uh, I'll like frequently share other people's hunts on my story and be like, hell yeah, congratulations. I think we just need to show like be for one, I need to talk about this topic. More people need to talk about this more on their platforms who have more of a reach and, I think that we need to set an example. I think that that's like the best way for as long as humans have been around. One of the best ways to make change is to be an example and to talk about why it's important. Like show us supporting other true outdoorsmen, no matter what they're doing and talk about how that's the right thing to do and how important it is. So I wish that like it's, like I'm glad we're on a podcast because when I was making the video talking about this, I'm like, all right, I feel like I've got like three minutes to really try to just verbal diarrhea, everything else <laughs> quick as I can and hopefully make my point as strong as I want to, because this is such an in-depth, like I could go on forever. Mm-hmm. I like, but, and talk, talk about every single little thing, but, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, really make your make sure you get your point across with little short things here and there because like I said everyone has like they're coming from different places they all have different perspectives like new hunters need to see the good example I think we just need to have more people setting a good example on what a good sportsman is all have being happy for each other genuinely happy supportive and being a part of the community I love to see more people be involved with like good organizations um, and be involved with each other. You know, one of the the cooler things, a couple of them, you know, like, you know, 3D shoots, right? And that's fucking love going to 3Ds so much so that I'm, you know, co-owner in one. And Mm -hmm. 
you go to those shoots and and one of the thing i mean it's fun to be out shooting your bows right but then you're surrounded by like-minded people and you realize that those are your people you may not know 200 of them (coughs) but those are your people right it's like that's my people right there i don't know you I'm, i'm anticipating shaking your hand or shooting with you go to you know like western hunt expo and it's i'm like a kid in the fucking candy store and it's not yeah. because of all the gear and all the bitch and taxidermy and stuff like that it's because i'm in the room with with people i i know for the most part what your value sets are right i mean yeah. we we share a lot of the same values as hunters so when i walk in there i'm I'll walk in, I'll go set up to to podcast and I'll walk in the building and it's pretty much empty people setting up their booths and whatnot. Right. And I'm telling you, it's like the anticipation just is over. It's like, fuck yeah, it's been a year. I'm back. It's almost like going into elk season at the beginning because I get to be around and have conversations with like-minded people and it does not flip and matter. I don't care what your pursuit is. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I want to know about it. I want to learn about it because that may be something that I want to try at some point. Yep. You know what I mean? Like LR shooting. Why bash an LR guy? Because he can take a 1300 yard shot if he's using the right caliber and his accuracy is telling. And most of those guys are dead nuts, 13, 1400 yards. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a guy that can shoot accurately. 1400 yards versus a guy that can only shoot accurately out to 200. It's just the yep, time exactly. on the range, right? I mean, that's all it really is. So to go yep. out there and, and be so closed minded that you think that the way you're pursuing them is the only way with thousands of people doing it the other way. It's like, no, you're, you're in your heads up your own ass at that point, buddy. Sorry. Yep. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like I, I'm, I'm a vendor at the Salt Lake city hunt expo. I've been for the last two years. So like when people come around the booth, I tell you what, I like don't socialize very much like in person throughout the year. Cause I work from home and then I like my kids and we live in a small town and I do like a lot of stuff for myself. But when I go to like that, I really love all the conversations mm-hmm. I get to have because like I said, we're all pretty like-minded people. And I hear about, I always ask if I have a chance to like actually talk. I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, what are you hunting this year? How was your season this year? And talk about like hear crazy stories, see crazy pictures, like cool things that they saw. Like there's, it's, I love that part of it. And I love that part of the community. And it is so disheartening that like someone would shut down their mind to you because they're like, you said, like, uh, archery hunter and you're a long range hunter and they're like oh you're one of those guys i want to like, be all those guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like well, why can't you enjoy it all i don't get why i don't get why there's that kind of like state intentional separation yeah it's weird within us i, I think it, like that's why just... would you intentionally separate yourself from that outdoorsman because they're just literally choosing a different way of hunting. We're, we're just susceptible. If they're still doing it ethically. Yeah, I think we're just susceptible to tribalism, right? That's just, I think it's ingrained in our in our DNA and that's how we do things. Um, but I want to be that yeah. guy. I want to do all that shit, right? I want to experience, yeah. I've been fighting myself 
because I'm a little bit scared to do it, right? I want to go get a longbow or a recurve, just a, a traditional setup and chase animals one year with it, you know? Yep. And it's just like, oh, God dang, do I really yep. want to do that? And I think my wife would probably be like, another one? It's so freaking hard. <laughs> well, she would just look you at what, it. You'll feel like you have a better chance just chucking your bow at yeah. him. <laughs> well, she'll she'll look at it and go, you got another one of those things? <laughs> I know. I, I actually grew up shooting a trad bow. Um, and my dad, my, my uncle, he lives in Colorado and he's taken every big game animal in Colorado with a bow, with, no a, with his recurve, a long bow. Yeah. And he actually got a bull moose tag and a mountain goat tag. So the first time he got a cow tag, cow moose tag and his mountain goat tag, like 20 years ago or whatever, he shot those both with his, with his recurve. So now he's going to use his longbow. but like, and he is like a purist in that fact but he in no way like bashes or shames anyone else he's super excited he'll go on a hunt with his buddy who's shooting long range and be like just as happy he's not that that's the example i wish that more people would be like is like if you choose to do something one way and you're like really set on it like you said when you go out elk hunting you have your mindset on a certain caliber bowl and you'll leave empty-handed if you have to like that that's just as respectable like i have just as much a appreciation and respect for that as someone else who's like takes the first opportunity yeah. can because of whatever that's like, your choice it's your i in no way would ever bash anyone for any decision they made yep. out hunting no, or it, fishing or it, trapping it's it's your choice it's your pursuit who the hell am i to judge what you're yeah. out there doing like it just i don't yeah. it drives me bonkers you know, and it's, it's like, your experience. yeah, right. And how you choose to experience that year to year, it probably is going to change a million times over, but every yeah. single time it's how you see fit to do it. And, and that's the, yeah. that's the most beautiful thing about it, right? Because as, as like and kind as it all is, our pursuits are <laughs> totally fucking different than the person that's standing right next to you. The perception of what you're seeing in the woods from moment to moment, be the scenery or the animal or how the animal's acting, it's totally different. Watch a video. Yeah. You could you could turn on YouTube and watch a hunting video and sit in a room with 20 people and you could listen to all those people make different comments while you're watching the same flipping video. And we're yep. seeing it. We're seeing it how the camera guy decided to present it right so the perception is so much different from person to person that how can you judge or no someone else's yeah but how can you not look at that and say wait that's through their eyes this is through my eyes right and and yeah. just appreciate the fact that they're out there getting after the shit because it is one of the most challenging things that you'll ever do and that's what makes it so beautiful it, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're we're I'm soapboxing right now. <laughs> I know. Look at people. <laughs> I I I've heard this several times and a couple of my really good friends say this. It's whatever gets you excited is what you like that's yeah. your standard. If you watch someone else shoot something that didn't get you excited, it doesn't matter. Like sorry people, it doesn't matter if you didn't approve if it was legal and they wanted to do it and they're super happy about it, fuck yeah. Like I will be, like I said before, just as pumped for the person who shot a cow elk and was over the moon and elated and grateful as the person who shot a 400 inch bull elk and was excited and elated. It's their own experience 
And that's how they perceive it. And they're just as happy. I'm just as fucking happy yeah. for them. Yeah. So, you, uh, Captain James Nash. James is, you know, up towards you guys. Oh, I love him. Okay, so James, the other day, he posted a video, and he basically said, you know what? Make it binary. Ones and zeros, right? And I yep. and I text James, and I'm like, hey, bro, can you please send me that? Because I'm going to reshare it. I reshared yours, too. And it was just yep. like, what if, if you look at the animal and it doesn't do it for you, it's a zero. Don't shoot it. Yep. If it gets you excited at all. There it is. There's your one. Take the animal. Who gives a shit what it scores? Who cares what somebody yep. thinks it is? Take the animal. Yep. Enjoy your experience. Enjoy the time out there. Do what makes you happy. And it was funny because you guys posted that, and it was literally maybe maybe two to three days apart when between yeah. the post, you know? And it was yep. just like, wow. Yep. I, and, I, you know, the thing that I found to be – uh it's been nice. And also I, the reason why I speak out more, anytime I speak out about things like this, I really, really, I really care about and a message I genuinely want to just reach people and like have them have it be in the back of their mind and just let them consider what I'm saying. Um, Oh my gosh. I like just like my brain just shut off. <laughs> That's well, right. Well, while you think about I'm it. Sorry, I have like four kids. I just looked over and saw movement and then my brain instantly <laughs> went to mom mode. Okay. So like, in full disclosure, right? When I, when I reached out to you, yeah. you were like, oh dude, I don't know about being on a podcast. And I was like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm going to totally see. And I was, I was ready to be judgmental as all get up. I was like, I'm going to totally see how impactful she wants to be with a post like that. If she decides yeah. to do this or not. Yeah, <laughs> and you hit well, me back and I'm like she's fucking legit <laughs> yeah because I was like you know I don't like I I've only done one other podcast and I've been asked to do podcasts a lot where people are like hey you want to come on talk about yourself we think you're really cool and interesting and I'm like ah like I don't think I'm really that cool <laughs> like I just I don't care to go on and like just talk about myself and like but I care to go on and talk about something that matters to me right. and I really really want that to be heard and if like I've said this before on my Instagram like I'm just on Instagram for one I have my business so that's like very helpful but yeah. I'm just on there just to post whatever the hell I'm doing like I like sharing my adventures I like sharing my hunts whatever I'm doing I just think it's fun I've been able to connect with oh I remember what I was gonna say well <laughs> um, but I love connecting with like true people I've actually met one of my like Really close friends now, Kate Small. Her and I are like, mm, Kate's I freaking the shit. love her to death. I record so it she's going to hear this and be like, yeah. <laughs> I, record it with, I record it with Kate and her husband, not last year, the year before. And they were they were really just kind of kind of peeking on the wolf thing. And yeah. my recording was garbage. It was at HuntFest, matter of fact. And oh. my recording was garbage. I still have it. And it's just, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was my mics or my recorder. It was shit, and I never got to post it. I got to hit Kate up and get another one because they started their. You uh, should. Yeah, they started their uh, their course this year, and I was kind of following along with that. That's yeah. that's bitching. And you want to talk about some folks that yeah. have some shit dialed in? Good yep, lord, do they have it dialed in? God. Yeah, I know. I was like, I need to do that Wolfcat me. <laughs> Holy but, crap! Like, but Kate, like, I love the shell of her. We are like best freaking buds. Now and but I met her through Instagram, and we connected through here and met in person at the Hunt Expo both years. This last year we hung out way more, 
but I, I can't talk to her all the time. And like every time I talk to her is like at least an hour and a half of talking. But and then there's like I've made several like I wouldn't say a lot, but like a few really good friends on here that like same thing as like you said, go to the Hunt Expo. You get to like meet and connect with your like minded people. So like there are some serious positives that can come from social media, but there are some serious negatives that can come with it, too. And we all have a responsibility to make sure we're keeping it on the positive side. And if you have a voice to talk about the things that are important, you really should be talking about it. And I was going to say earlier when I just like my brain shut off and I had a like Mitch McConnell moment was uh, (laughs) was um, it has when I've spoken out and said maybe some like controversial topics, the things that people don't really want to say. I have had so many people reach out to me like privately in my DMs. They're like, thank Thank you you for saying that. Yeah, thank you. Like, yeah. I agree. Or like my friends and I, or my husband and I, or like my wife and I, or like all these people, we all talk about this and then we all feel this way and it like bothers us too. So I genuinely believe that good, good sportsmen like us who care and are like a family, we are really the majority, but we're like the silent majority. Right. Like we kind of just keep to ourselves. We don't make the effort to like either speak up if we see something or like um, go out and be a part, more part of the community, which I understand is really hard. Like I got four kids, so I don't get the opportunity to go out like to like the 3d shoots or anything, but the hunt expo is great. I think it's, I think we really need to do, we need to try to be a little bit more involved with each other. If you're, I think the thing a lot of people should try to do is to, if you are like a big game hunter, and you've been like maybe talking trash or something about like waterfowl hunters or turkey hunters or whatever it is, the opposite kind of whatever you're doing. I think you should reach out to someone who you see is like a hardcore turkey hunter or really into waterfowl and just like talk to me like, Hey man, like I'm whoever, how are you? And like, just be like, tell me about your thing. I think we should try to make a little bit more effort to hear each other first rather than be like like fucking keyboard warriors and just bashing on each other for literally no reason. And then 99% of these people were bashing on the other person. No, absolutely. What they're doing. Yep. Yeah. Or, or so, bet, I mean, furthermore, go experience it, right? Dive into yeah. it a little bit and go experience it. And if it's not your gig, yeah. then it's not your gig, but at least yeah, you'll have some level of appreciation for it, right? It's still yeah. a tricky endeavor. Yep. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just cause it's not for you doesn't mean it's not for like, not genuinely for someone else. Like I really hate when I see someone, like I said, I, I hate a lot of shit that I see <laughs> on there, but I'm like, I, I just like, I, it really gets to me when I see other people just putting them down. Like, uh, if they see someone truly happy doing something like, Oh, that's a wood like that thing's usually it's like a size thing. Like, or a species like, oh, come on, that's just a turkey. How could you be that excited about it or whatever? Like, so like you're just excited because that's all you can shoot or whatever. Like just senseless bashing that makes no sense. Well, it's to like me. you go, you go chase a slam, go chase a single season slam, right? And mm-hmm. and tell me how that is. I'm um, Josh Walker. I, I met Josh a couple months ago. We podcasted, and he has a retired to hunt podcast. Really good, really, really good storyteller. Funny as all hell. And 
I was listening to him and his buddy, uh, I believe the gentleman's name was Brandon, and they were talking about a turkey. And I mean, this is a couple year pursuit on this particular turkey because he's one of those mature, has it figured out animals and he ain't falling for your bullshit. Right. And, and it's, yeah. that would, that's an interesting conversation because you hear it about deer, you hear it about elk. Oh, hopefully he makes it, you know, next year, blah, 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 blah. And they're talking about it with Turkey. And I'm like, that's legit shit right there. Right. These guys are out yeah. there pursuing that one bird, that one bird. There's a lot yeah. to be said about not shooting the first, you know, four inch beard that comes Anything. across your, your decoys. Right. And they're chasing and pursuing yep. one bird. What's not commendable about that. You know, I mean, yeah. you say pea brain Turkey. That's what you hear. All the pea brain birds. I call, I call them elk birds and go, yeah. go chase them. Damn things. They will frustrate the yeah, living shit out of you. <laughs> I have some really funny stories of me getting outsmarted by those stupid yeah. smart birds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how can this dumb animal be so freaking smart? Yeah, they're a trip. <laughs> it's the most frustrating thing you'll do sometimes, but like, I, I just, I see, I mean, and I want to say too, there's a difference when like I see people like making jokes about certain hunters, like it's all in good fun, like lightheartedness. Like we, my husband and I, we make fun of like the fly, the purest fly fishermen or whatever that are like, think they're better than other people, but like it really is in good fun and just a joke because like we have really good friends who fly fish and my husband fly fishes on occasion. And like, it's like, we don't actually have anything against it. But that's just good I banter. Just think they're, but they're what? That's just a good banter. There's nothing wrong with good banter. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Gotta have a good sense of humor. Make fun of. I I make fun of myself all the freaking time, and we always like take fun about the people who are being the people we're talking about. Like I'll make fun of those assholes all yep. day long, uh, for bashing on other hunters. That's the deal. Or other fishermen. It's just like I would really love to see more people like try to be more like involved or have relationships with other outdoorsmen in another field. And like I said, even go experience it. Like go try it out for your. Lost sound. <laughs> yeah. You, you <laughs> muted yourself. So it's funny. So we went down to Texas last week, me and a buddy of mine, and we went to hunt axis. And some of that is sitting in a ladder stand. Totally mm -hmm. not, you know, and, and I've bantered back and forth with, with buddies and I'm in the, I'm in the stand and, uh, I posted a picture of me looking down and I'm not going to bullshit. Like I'll climb across any craggy slope cliff or whatever in the mountains. You put me 20 foot up in a tree and yeah. I'm gripping the damn rails of that thing pretty frequently when that wind is blowing. Yeah. And, uh, my, yeah. my good old buddy of mine, Kurt Teaster, he's uh, he's back easty, and uh, he gives me shit. He's like, look at this Western poser sitting in a tree stand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dude, give it to me. What give it to me, joke? buddy. Yeah, give it to me. And it, yeah. But it's just a different endeavor. Oh, but I love it. by doing that, I have an appreciation for what they do. Those guys sit in a stand for 10, 11, 12, 13 hours a day. They're dark to dark like I am on the mountain. Yeah. You sit your ass in yep. a ladder stand or a climber and you got this two foot deal and you are there all day. Like that is, that is next level mental game. I mean, it yeah, is truly, Oh my God. And I'm not, and I yeah. am, uh, our buddy Alec, that's running that, uh, that's running the properties down there that we go down and hunt. Um, 
I'm texting him and he's just waiting for me to be impatient. <laughs> right. And I forget <laughs> what, I forget what I text him. And uh, he's like, patience, Daniel son. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not being impatient, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, but it's, but it's next level to take that endeavor on, especially when you're used to, you know, as a Western hunter, you know, we, we create our opportunity, I'll say, right, for the lack of a better yeah. phrase. That's what we're used to doing. So then when you're in a position yeah. to where you feel like you're waiting for the animal to give you that opportunity, that shit yeah. is – if patience is a virtue, sitting in a tree stand is next fucking level. Because <laughs> it, it is. You know, I'm good for about I, four and a half hours. <laughs> yep. I uh, – I, it was five years ago. I was pretty dead set and determined to shoot a, a deer with my recurve. And I was, I was living in Washington at the time and you can bait there. So I had my bait down and I was up in the tree stand. I tell you what, I was like 20 minutes in. I'm just oh my God. like already starting to crack. Yeah, it's a trip. <laughs> I sat up there. Yeah. It's like, I go up in the morning and I would sit for like four hours and then middle of the day would never anything happen. And I go sit for the last four or five hours. So spend like, nine to 10 hours in the stand and oh my gosh almost had it happen but it just it wouldn't commit and come into like because I could only shoot my like range was like 25 yards max with that bow and it was just like right there 30 like <laughs> standing there after like, 10 hours it. yeah oh my gosh yeah after that season I'm like nope not <laughs> not my gig <laughs> not for me but you I go out but you go out and you experience it. You'll never say anything bad about it, right? Because it takes another level of patience or however you view it. It's just another experience. And it's not yep. any fucking easier. It's not nope. easier. Yep. It, nope. Yeah. There's there's so many ways to hunt so many different animals with so many different weapon choices. And they're to like to each their own. Fuck yeah! For whatever you choose is my is my motto. Heck yeah. If you want to choose a recurve or a crossbow, a crossbow, or you want a muzzleload, or you want a long range to shoot whatever like legally you're allowed to shoot, go for it. I will be stoked for everyone who is successful, who did it the right way, and is and they're truly happy. Fuck yeah! I will be your like number one cheerleader over here. It's just if you're doing it for the wrong reasons being unethical then you can go fuck yourself <laughs> but it's 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 just no need to bash those people who are truly out there putting in the time work and loving what they're doing yeah there's just it's just senseless and i like i said we were originally saying in the beginning it's going to be the downfall like we really do need to be strong together as a community as like a family with each other support each other for doing when they're doing things right and your heart is in it, or we're all going to be doomed. Yeah. <laughs> like you, like we said earlier, the the anti-hunters are really strong. Like they're all together, really, really tight in their uh their endeavors to take away our our opportunities. And they've taken away a lot of opportunities. I can't imagine if it gets any worse and they take away more and more and more. Like we're never I feel like when they take something away, you never get it. Back. We will never get it back. That's right. I, I can't think of an example where we've got, we've like won back something that we've lost. It doesn't happen. So, no, it doesn't. So like <laughs> if it, if it's petty, 
set it aside. Don't, don't go out, like don't bash someone for something petty. Be happy for the people who are really out there doing the thing. Call out the poor behavior because that doesn't do us any good either. Um, and then I really, okay, I will say this too, and this may piss off a lot of people, but I do believe it's very important how you call people out too. Like I can very easily be ream on someone, (laughs) but I have learned though, it's very important how you call somebody out and that you, you make your points and you stay like very level-headed. Don't let it turn into some just smack talk back and forth because that, that your point will immediately be lost if you start doing this smack talk back and forth crap. And then the whole thing is lost. And then you all look like assholes. Like you all look dumb. Mm -hmm. Like even if you were in the right and you said something and you get in this, like it becomes this bad banter publicly, that does not look very good. Diplomacy Um, is huge in that, in, in that realm. Yeah. So I think that there, there are some hunting pages that like these, uh, bashing hunting pages they're like other hunters bashing people that i think are kind of trashy too like i originally followed them because i thought they were like funny and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> right it, it gets it gets funny. old yeah but it gets yeah, old but like it gets old and they yeah. go way too far yeah. like way too far yeah, i would agree like, i'm all for calling out bad behavior but you need to like if you're gonna call it out call it out make your point be very level-headed about it explain why because like, I don't think those people who are doing those pages really realize they're making themselves look worse because like you, we talk about these new hunters who are watching us, like they're watching everything we're doing and like, they can only perceive what they see in like a picture or a video because mm-hmm. they don't have enough experience, like what we do to like really put the, our, like themselves in our shoes. If they go on pages like that and they click like a picture or a post and they go read the comment sections, they're going to be like, Oh my God. Like what the hell? Yeah, what did I get into? I don't want to be a part of this. Like, I don't think that those pages are helping us at all. And like I said, I used to follow them and think they were funny as hell. Like some of the stuff, but then I like not very long after following, I'm, I was just like, yeah, this is bad. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is bad. Yeah, like you're taking this same. way too far. Like you're not even like your point. If you make a point, it's not even like you're not even making your point anymore because it's just straight up hate. Right. It's one thing to make a point because you you care about something, but it's another thing to just be spewing out hate. And I do not. I'm not down for that. Um, one of the pages called out this uh, gal. I'm not going to mention names because everything gets lost the second you mention the name. <laughs> but. Uh, um, he called, they called out this girl for things that they kind of had receipts for. And then they gave out her like workplace and her phone number and were like, she works here. Here's her phone number. Here's her email. And I was like, Whoa, nope. I was like, what? I was like, what the hell? I'm like, I'm not down for that. Yeah, I'm gonna no, be honest. I'm not line. down for that. That's not okay. If you want to like point someone out and be like, Hey, this person did this. This is a bad example of what a hunter is. Like, do you want to make your point? If you want to call someone by name, like, go for it. But do not. I just think that's so in like, is that bad? That's in bad taste. Yeah, that that has there has to be legality with that shit. Yeah, There's I think that they. Be. Yeah, I think they did try to go like 
the gal that got the heat for that. I think she did try to go after him and I didn't know hear much from that, but that when that happened, I pretty much lost. I was like, bye to that right. page. I'm just not down for that either. Even though the thing that they were saying she was like doing wrong was true. I'm like, mm, you can't do that. That's not okay either. Yeah, that's like, you, yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. That's <laughs> the straight. old thing. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm bringing you in my house right quick because I need to grab my charger because no, my no phone worries. is dying. Well, you know what? I won't even. I won't even keep you any longer. I, I think we've we've had a, a great conversation. I'm greatly appreciative um, of you taking the time yeah. and and mustering up and saying, "Okay, I'll do it." Um, but I don't want to let it go unsaid. So do me a favor, and I want people to check out Western Sky and Skulls, or Western Sky Skulls and Jewelry. Um, so drop your .com and everything for that, and then where folks can talk to you about that if they choose to. Okay, so yeah, I'm like right now I do not have an official website, but um, I am on Instagram. That's the best way for anyone to get a hold of me about jewelry or skulls, and that is Western Skies skulls and jewelry on instagram and then my personal page is laura's outdoor life and that's where i well, i usually share like my skulls and stuff on there but that's all my outdoor stuff hunting fishing trapping my funny banter my shitting in the woods reels oh <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> uh oh i think we lost her let's see is she All right, it looks like I lost Laura. I'm not sure if her battery went down or not. Uh, but you guys check her out at Western Skies underscore Skulls and Jury on IG and Laura's Outdoor, Laura's Outdoor Life on IG as their personal. Uh, and I'll also share after this uh, the Instagram post that made me reach out after following her for so long. But an absolute uh, monster in the woods, on the mountain, you name it. I mean, she's she's getting after it, her and the family. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. wanted to take probably a few minutes to talk about something that's been weighing on me for the last like couple months, especially. And uh, I try not to do like heavy topics usually. But like I've said before in the past, like if I want to talk about something that's on my mind, like I'm going to fucking talk about it. And that is the cannibalism I see in the hunting community. It's pretty crazy to me, honestly, like how cannibalistic of mindset so many hunters have towards each other. And everyone's be like, oh, but you talk shit about people all the time. I talk shit about people who are doing really stupid shit. Whether they're doing immoral things, uh, they're fucking breaking the law. Like, the only reason they're out there hunting is because they're trying to fucking give attention and uh, free opportunities. Or, like, use that as their stepping stool to, like, get places in life. People who are hunting not because of the pure love and passion for it. So, there's a big difference. What I'm talking about is the hate that they like so many hunters have for other hunters who do certain kind of hunting. Like 
people bashing on like fucking turkey hunters like oh they think they're hunters they're fucking shooting these birds if you want to be a hunter go shoot an elk or a deer and then there's people bashing on waterfowl hunters like the most absolute trash people i've ever seen like and who would like to waterfowl hunt or people fucking bashing on mule deer hunters like oh it's so hard to go shoot a mule deer like try shooting a coos deer and like it goes on and on and on and on fucking hunters bashing on trappers fucking fly fishermen bashing on fucking like your average day fishermen fucking like it's just insane to me it's like holy fuck people i love all kinds of things in the outdoors like hunting fishing and all types the people i don't like are like i said the people who are doing it not because they truly enjoy it people are doing it just because like they know they can get attention that way and then the people I don't like that think they're better than others because they do a certain type of hunting or they fish a certain way. Like we make fun of fly fishermen sometimes because like those purest fly fishermen drive us fucking nuts. Like the ones who think, oh, well, if you think you're a fisherman, like try doing it this way. Like I'm better than you because of this, like go fuck yourself. People who think because they do something a certain way that they're better than other people is horseshit. I think that's fucking stupid. Those people, those outdoorsmen, to me are not true outdoorsmen. I don't like those people. But I think it's really important to call out bullshit when you see it. When you see someone doing something immoral, um, you see someone doing it for the wrong reasons, see someone setting a bad example, I think that's important to speak up and say something. But I think the bashing on people who are doing something that they love and they're doing it morally, ethically, and legally is fucking stupid. Like, I think that's just sick. I see a lot of, like, hunters getting hate and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, why? That make any fucking sense to me. Like, you're bashing them because, like, their passion is, like, goose hunting and like that's what they live eat and breathe for when you think you're better because you're a fucking waiting on september man like nothing like the elk right like you think you're better because you're an archery elk hunter so you're gonna make that person feel worse like less than you because their passion is somewhere else in the outdoors like the outdoor world no i think that's shit so my message today is that I hope people start to uh, show a little bit more, um, I can't think of the word, <laughs> sorry, I've got four kids and my brain is just like, <coughs> I hope we stop eating each other, like cannibalizing each other over stupid shit like that, because just because that's not your thing doesn't mean it's not someone else's true passion. That's it. Like, do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Don't compare yourself to literally anybody because that will never make you happy. And you're you. You love the things you love because you're an individual and you're special. And we're not all meant to love and like the same fucking things. So get out there. Enjoy whatever it is you love to do. 
bash on people because they're doing things that it's not your thing. You're not fucking better than anybody because you hunt a certain way with a certain weapon or whatever. Or you shoot big animals and you're bashed on someone who shoots smaller animals. Don't fucking matter. Doesn't make you a better person. Doesn't make you a better hunter. So, anyways, message for me today. Hope you guys have a great summer and you're not dying of heat stroke like I am. <laughs>